0: Thank you Social entrepreneurship is a phenomenon that seeks to contribute to poverty alleviation and job creation but how is this achieved and what are the challenges that come your way joining me on masterclass today isn't the Red Bull Amapego participant and social entrepreneur Gavin Wheel, founder and managing director of Liberty Africa gentlemen welcome to masterclass
1: thank you very much yeah,
0: yeah. now Gavin I'll start with you in the past we saw a lot of businessmen going into philanthropy in order to give back whatever it is that they made in profits with their companies. And then in the 80s, we saw the new age entrepreneur coming up with social entrepreneurship. What exactly is that to you as a businessman?
1: So social entrepreneurship to me is about taking a business approach to solving social issues. So traditionally, the two would be separate. So you'd have businesses trying to make profit, then you'd have charities being given money to try and help solve social issues Mm. so social entrepreneurship really brings the two together Um, and it's it's something which I think in the last 15 years has really accelerated where businesses big and small have realized that they can go and make a profit and they can operate as a good strong profitable business but they can they can tackle things like um, Unemployment or health issues or any number of social issues and it can actually not only be good for the world and communities But it can be good for their brands as well
0: mm. Talking about that Ntlantla, you were a builder yeah. But then you decided to go into the business of helping people move out of shacks and getting them proper safe Homes with the kind of business that you do take me a little through what Nomics does
2: So basically what we do as uh, we trying to like eradicate uh, package checks in the townships. Okay. Now coming from a background where I lived in a forum house, so basically in the townships there are standard houses that we actually live in. Mm. So when you growing up, you find that uh, the space becomes a bit too too small for the whole family because you can't accommodate for family growth. So you find that you get kids, our parents had us, we're having our own kids, so the family kind of like expands. So now I had to build my own shack just to get my, give myself a bit of space on the outside so I can get a bit of privacy. So I actually found that most of my friends had a common problem, similar problem. And I discovered some of my relatives had a similar problem. But then we found that because of the high unemployment, unemployment rate, we couldn't get the jobs to actually accumulate enough cash to afford to build our own structures. Mm. So I actually took a course in Brick Lane, which was a government sponsor uh, course. With those skills, I actually used my skills to build uh, a backyard uh, structure in my own yard. So, because I had the skills, I had uh, people in my community asking me to give them the same assistance, which now became a business. I started building for other people because now they couldn't afford. They could actually find a way to actually work with me to negotiate which they can pay in, in installments. Mm. So that how, that's how it became a business. But then we had another challenge right by now because we couldn't get more jobs to actually sustain ourselves. Because now we have competition, we have other people who also build layers and builders. So there's other companies doing the same job. We had to find a way to actually create a way to sustain ourselves. Mm. That's where we came up with the model, by identifying that there's a lot of shacks in the townships, and those people couldn't afford to actually build the structures. And we needed the jobs to find a way to actually build for them. So we found a way to bridge a gap whereby we could create jobs for ourselves, and also help the people with the shacks at the same time.
0: Sure, What a beautiful concept. It all started with the love of wanting a different space, more space, and then it became a business. But Gavin, with Liberty Africa, you help young people get sustainable jobs, you train them in the media space. How is it that you're able to really divide that space of profit and community work? Because I'm sure a lot of people battle with grappling, how do I ensure that I make money with this business in as much as I'm trying to help people?
1: Yeah. I mean the way we came into the the approach was as people who'd worked in the media and the marketing space and we felt like that space had a lot of power and a lot of money um, that could be leveraged to try and make social change. So our our company actually started way back in the UK in 2001 and I brought it here in 2011 and here it was uh, an idea to say well there's, there's a huge problem with youth unemployment. Um, But there are lots of job opportunities in industries such as marketing and media Mm. and especially now I mean, we're very focused on digital skills because as Every business goes online, you know more and more businesses need young people who understand digital. Yeah, so so that's how we kind of um, Fulfill the impact and the social impact side side of what we do and then we monetize it in a variety of ways I mean a, a lot of social entrepreneurs can get funded in the way that you know charities would but the big challenge is to try and um, make yourself sustainable, have revenue streams. Um, so we do that by actually, um, that we work with the young people we train to create campaigns and content for brands that gets paid for, for instance. Mm. So, so we kind of monetize the output of, of, of the training. Um, and, and, and so it's finding ways that you can produce that kind of sustainable social impact, but then you have a, something that's valuable enough to sell or to monetize
0: talking about funding are we seeing a lot of organizations funders angel investors looking into this this type of business is, is it something special or are we now seeing departments looking specifically for social entrepreneurs to find because I'm thinking it might cost a little bit more than a conventional business to start up because there's just so much more that you're giving out. How does it really work with funding?
1: Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of interest in social entrepreneurship, I think, from funders, um, and and more and more so in South Africa. I think, you know, I think the movements um, uh, progressed a little bit further over in the UK and the US, for instance, but it's being talked about more and more here. Mm. Um, So, and I think, you know, you've seen more from government, interested in it and other bigger funders but I think also in South Africa I think the lots of businesses I think are social enterprises anyway because they're creating jobs yes you know so so being a social entrepreneur it doesn't necessarily mean having um, you know a very lofty kind of do-gooding ethos it can also mean just creating value and spotting a, an issue in your community like Clankler has, you mm. know, and, and finding a way to solve that and to create a, a living as well.
0: Mm. Nlandla, what were some of the biggest challenges that you came across when when starting your business?
2: So basically one of the challenges that we have in the township as a whole is, uh, I think, it's lack of information. So now you find that, uh, I would say, it's lack of, uh, lack of access. but now we find that there's actually structures that are already in place to actually help... Uh, young people like me in the townships, but the problem is we don't even know about them. Mm. So you find that some of the times we have uh, an event that's happening in the township, but the people from that particular don't even know which it is, something happening around them. So now I, for example, I started uh, the whole concept by going to NYDA to actually get assistance to develop the whole idea. But we had the mall, Maponya Mall, for a couple of years before without me even knowing which there is actually an idea to actually help us out. And I've actually discovered that some of my peers, people in my township, don't, they don't even know that we actually have a platform whereby you can just go there with an idea. And they can just coach you and give and take you through a process on how to develop the idea and turn it into a business. Mm. So we're thinking because we don't have the money, even if we have ideas, we're thinking with that cause we can't raise this amount of money. And yet you can actually go there and get access to grant funding or get, get a direction on how you can actually get a loan. So if you actually missing some of the compliance documents that it can actually help you get the documents that you need so in the township you don't even know how to register a company so those are some of the struggles that we have that even with the information out there we don't even know about it in the first place
0: mm, so it's us accessing that information even though it's sitting out there it doesn't really ac- Help much if we don't access it at all.
2: Yeah, we mm. don't get uh, people would come with workshops just to give out the information. See there's this and this and this going on just for the youth. Just go there and try to find out. Mm. They don't even bring it to the schools and stuff like that. So I'm um, one of the like few which I had the opportunity to actually find out. Once you get your, your foot in the door, you find that there's a flood of information whereby you learn see there's NYDA, there's CEDA, there's CIFA. People don't know which there's actually government and private companies that are there to actually help us develop into
0: Mm, and business. the onus is on to go back to the township and spread that information so that more and more people are educated. Yeah. Gavin, talking about information, what are the misconceptions around social
1: entrepreneurship? Um, I think the term in itself, not people don't necessarily understand what it means. Okay. So I think we have a problem right up front. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't always use it for, for what we do. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's good to just be, Positioned as a business that does, you know, that has a good work and has an impact Um, So I think that's the first issue is actually the definition of it and what it means and it can have I guess negative Connotations because there can be suspicion about um, Profit-making companies saying that they're doing good things and perhaps not really doing good things So there's a bit of a danger there and also there's no legal structure for a social enterprise. Um, You can either be a purely PTY profit-making business or you can be an MPC. We actually run both structures um, as a hybrid. So um, there is some some work going on in the U.S. around B Corps and in the UK there's a particular structure but there's not really a a, a tax incentive um, or a specific structure to say you're an impact-making but profit-making company.
0: Mm. How would you term it differently if you had the chance to change the concept social
1: entrepreneurship? I would say it's an impact-driven organisation. Um, that's what we are. Uh, that's the way we like to talk about it because it is all about impact and it's, it's important that you are able to measure and quantify your impact, of mm, course. Mm. Um, and that's that's really one of the most crucial and important things because If there were a legal structure, how would you judge that someone is making enough impact, for example, but there are there are ways to measure and record and and demonstrate that impact. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's got to be baked into the core of the business, in my opinion, you know, and that's where that's where it can get really game changing, because I think if big businesses start bringing purpose and impact into the core of their business models, then you can really start seeing, uh, you know, change and impact on a bigger scale. Mm,
0: So a lot of work still needs to be done. Lots. Ntlantla, you are part of the Red Bull Amapego Initiative. How has that helped propel you as an individual and your business to be part of an initiative that really does assist with social entrepreneurship?
2: So now, uh, with being uh, part of the program, you actually get the opportunity to find people that you can actually relate to. So now, with being a social entrepreneur, we come up with these ideas that are not the conventional way of doing business. Mm. So you get people that are thinking conventionally on how they see business, because that's how it's been for many years before. When you say something and they say, that doesn't make any sense, that won't work, that won't. So you get that with these people, you find people that actually do business in your kind of model whereby we can all relate. And then we get people that came before us that can actually guide us. Because now when they tell the stories, we can actually relate to their stories whereby you find someone that's been through the process where you're still working that path. And so you can actually avoid certain uh, uh, bridges whereby they just tell you how to go around and say, you should avoid this. It took me this long to actually get around this when I should have done this. Mm. So it was actually a great experience having to go there and having 60 more people that I relate to. They think like you. Yeah, they think like me. So I feel like like I'm now part of the pack. And then we get people that came before us actually tell us their stories of everything that they went through. So everything that you're doing now, it kind of makes sense. And you feel like you belong with me doing this. It's actually a good idea. While whilst at first, uh, when you first say the idea, everybody would like, ah, crush you down.
0: Mm. Gentlemen, lastly, Gavin, if you were to have any words of advice for some person sitting at home thinking we have this challenge in my community and I want to take this challenge and turn it into a business or simply to start a business that will be impactful, like you say, what are the steps that they should take? And what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given to you?
1: Um, To try and fail and then try again. I think, you, you, you know, entrepreneurship is hard and but you can start small and build up. And I think the best thing is just to, to start. You don't need a company structure to start running a business. You can just, you know, pick it up and make an in, informal thing to begin with. So I think you just have to point yourself in the direction and start. And start. Ntlantla? I was question
0: again? Sorry, how would you advise anybody in terms of starting a business that will be very impactful in the community they come from?
2: Uh, I'd say, and they shouldn't give up easily. Because uh, now, uh, like just yesterday I met someone uh, where she said she wants to do a, a business but she got discouraged because of all the challenges. So now they, we should just do more research and find out platforms are there to actually help us develop. Like I'm just basically, uh, i just a pretty layer. I wouldn't have thought uh, beyond having to go into business because I like a lot of things. Uh, but then having to go to some of these programs by doing more research, you actually get an opportunity to develop. So they should just try to like uh, develop themselves and try to get more information on how to go about whatever ideas that they have.
0: Sure, gentlemen, true inspirations. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we could have another session with you just to tell us of the progress and what other impactful things are you doing in your community. So thank you for coming to Masterclass. Thank
1: Thank you. you
0: and that was Ntlandlandlovo, Red Bull Amapigo participant, and Gavin Wheel, who is from Liberty Africa, telling us how it is when you can start a business that impacts your community and taking you further in life. Thank you so much for joining us on Masterclass. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>